Well, hello and welcome to the Ascent Podcast. And what we want to do is dive deep into seven habits of highly unsuccessful people. So I'm going to dive right into this. Uh, one of the reasons I wanted to do this is I think each year it's valuable for us to do a little bit of reflection, right? Kind of look back on the year and lessons learned, as well as what new opportunities do you see for yourself in the future? And sometimes to make those steps and start to grow in a different direction, maybe you have to either develop or create some new habits for yourself. And But part of that process is obviously identifying maybe what's not working for you. We'll start there. We've got a list of seven things. And we'll start with one that I know is very dear to Chris's heart, and that is mastering the art of procrastination. And I can be guilty of this one too. Uh, and I'll justify that in a, in a moment. But Chris, I'm going to come to you first. What's made it so challenging and what progress have you made so far? Well, the first thing I learned that I've been learning about myself over the, and I, and I think some of this is related to the holiday period. So I'm going to kind of use that as my somewhat default. Um, holidays just haven't been good for me. Uh, I, I've, I've been on that soapbox for the better part of 15, 16, 20 years. Um, the holidays were my mother's time and, and my mother passed about 17 years ago. So uh, up until about five years ago, um, whenever the holidays came, I got into a, I actually got depressed mm. um, and I kind of kind of made peace with it about five years ago. And I just got to the point where, you know, you know, went from depression to just being a little bit melancholy. Um, now the twist this year is, um, and I, this is where I, I said, I was talking to you guys earlier and I said, you know, I was twist tossing and turning last night over the whole thing. And, and the reason that is, is, you know, and I, I I'll just be honest, you know, I kind of took this year off, you know, after, after the, the, some of the, the trauma that I experienced in 2022, I just made a conscious decision that, you know what, I'm going to work on my mental health. Um, obviously, you know, I was in a car accident. I was going to work on my physical health. So all these health related um, issues that were kind of dogging me. And so I really just for the first time in my life, I said, you know what, let's put down everything else. Let's work on those, those really those driving uh, forces behind me, which is your health. I mean, as we get older, I'm obviously getting, you know, we're getting a little, we're not, we're not that 20 something, 30 something, 40 something crowd. We were, um, uh, present except Vinny, of course. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I realized that I just needed to take some time out for me. And I basically made a pact with myself that I was mm -hmm. going to take tw uh, as much of 2023 off as I could. Now, you know, I put a time on it and I said, okay, we're going to get into the fourth quarter and I'm going to start to um, work my way back in. Well, what ended up happening was we hit the, th hit the fourth quarter. I started to move a little bit. But I really wasn't there wasn't anything that was really motivating me or something that I really wanted to do at the time. And we slowly started, you know, by the grace of God, I um, started rounding into some things and some people came back into my universe that were not were not previously in my universe. And some ideas have been spawned. So, we, you know, I've been working with Brian. I've been working with Benny. Wish I could work with you, Erica. But um, anyway, so. Um, what I realized, and let me preface something. I'm a, I'm kind of a planner person. So for, and, and what I mean when I say I'm a planner person, I'm, I'm about my routines. I, that's the way I was raised. I mean, up and up and including, you know, uh, something as simple as 
laying out your clothes the night before school, uh, which is which I never in the beginning I never understood. I was like, why do I got to do that? And it, you know, and after, as you grow and you kind of get into it, you understood that that was just one less thing that I had to think about the next morning when I got up. So anyway, I I, I learned I adapted this lifestyle, and I'm you know, and I actually enjoy it because it's been a it's over the years it's been a saving grace for me. Um, but what I found out was my sense of urgency had not had, has not caught up to everything else. So while I think about the things that I want to do, while I'm starting to plan the things that I want to do, my sense of urgency has not kicked in yet. Um, there's nothing that has nothing that's making me say, hey, you need to get this done today or you need to get this done tomorrow. Um, it's been a I know there's a cushion. And unfortunately, knowing that there's a cushion in my process has been my has, has become my Achilles. Um, and so I've been so basically at the end of the So let me kind of met that out a little. So basically what happens is I'm always going to be the guy that delivers. But instead of planning it through and giving us and using the cushion that I have, I end up burning through that time. And really sitting back until you, you know, and I'm, and I'm you know, you were, we're at our age, we're a good gauge of how much time it actually takes to do something. So what happens is I wait to the last minute and I literally try to put it together and it works out in, 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 a, in a fair amount of instances. But there's not a I don't get I'm not getting that satisfaction of the completion, if, if that makes sense. So right now I'm in a, a stage where I'm like, OK, I'm pretty much had to kind of default to I'm going to just burn this time through the holiday and just really, you know, really kind of enjoy it. Um, and then I'm going to pick this ball up and I don't know what I got to do. I just talked to my therapist about this yesterday um, that I, that I know this about myself and I've got to figure out how to turn it around. Now, obviously I can't, all things are, you know, I can't do all things on my own. So I am going to, um, good or bad, I'm going to rely on some of the people around me to kind of, you know, help me to light my fire again. And I'm not yeah. far off. I, I you know, I, I know what I want to get done. So this is not a, a question of, I don't, you know, I, I don't have goals and I don't have dreams. I don't have aspirations. I have all of that. It's really putting all the pieces together of my puzzle again, or my emotional puzzle. So I can move forward with the things that I really, really want to do. Got so, it. And I think, and then la to lastly kind of put on to add to this is um, I don't want to disappoint the people that are around me. You know, that's a big, that's a big motivator for me too, is that I feel like I'm a part of it. You know, just, this is a team. I'm a part of this team. And I'm part of a couple other teams and I, and I don't want to disappoint my team members. I just, I, I don't want to do, that's something I don't want to address. So we're going to figure this thing out. Uh, I, I can guarantee that. Yeah. So, so I've got a, I've got a more of a statement and then a follow-on question, I guess, to you and really everyone else. When you think about the term procrastination, usually it's, it's a, I view it as, you know, something where you think you should be doing something better, faster in a, in a different time frame. And if it's not you, it's someone else or someone external. And so there's that external, you know, nagging feeling from whatever your upbringing came from or whoever else is around you or your past. 
saying, oh, you should be doing it like this. You should be completing this like this. You should be, you know, and, and I guess the question I'd like to raise because, you know, <clears throat> at the end of the day, it's really about how we feel, our individual self, not about how anyone else thinks about us. So I guess the question to you, Mr. Black and everyone else is, you know, um, if a task takes that long and you're okay with that, why is that considered procrastination? If in fact there's a prioritization piece, but I guess the flip side of that question also, you said that is the satisfaction of completing it. But again, why is it defined that it must be completed at a certain time? How, what is what does satisfaction mean to you? So that you then question or not question, I am not procrastinating. I think for me, it's, it's the it's the planning piece. So I'm I'm typically someone that's a little ahead of. I, I I pride myself on being ahead of the curve, per se, or at least not behind the curve. So I think that that is something that has always been a driver for me. That I'm you know I'm instead of Johnny come lately, I'm Johnny come early. So for me, there's something that's feels wrong about it. You know, it doesn't it, you know it doesn't give me the warm and tingly fuzzy feeling that I get from, I think most people's idea of getting something accomplished. So if you don't feel like you're getting something accomplished, you know what I mean? And in, in a normal, reasonable, relative flow, I feel like my flow is interrupted and that's where I'm having a lot of the issue. It, it, if it weren't for the fact that how I'm, how I'm, cause it's a wiring thing. You know, if, if I wasn't wired this way, I'd be a different story. But the fact that I'm wired to, to do these pre you know, these pre uh, activities prior to the activity. And I am like literally just killing all that time that pre that pre, you know, that pre preparation, that's the better term that pre preparation. And now I'm taking all the, I'm kind of just burning that time up. And now all of a sudden, I'm, you know, you're sitting there you're like, well, now I got to go, it's go time now, you know, instead of being able to because I'm one of those people. I, I, I look at. Let's use a sports analogy. So, in and typically in sports, and we use basketball as a term. There are certain teams that come out of the gates fast, and then there are certain there are certain teams that they got to you know, and certain players they have to warm to it. So, in other words, they'll and it's almost like a it's almost like a pacing thing. So, I, I guess the, I guess we could use that. It would be the kind of the analogy. I pace myself. And what I'm doing is I'm taking that ability to pace myself out, out because of my inactivity. And I think that's just causing me, it's caught because I'm not used to being like that, that it's causing me so much, you know, frustration and uh, um, anxiety. So I'm just trying to figure out how to balance this thing back out to what I know that has worked for me in the past. So I have an idea. And uh, I'll throw this out to, on the table for everybody to kind of to kick around that, to maybe help you. And what I think needs to happen, or and again, this is Brian speak, and this is an idea for you, uh, is to actually try to accomplish more. So you are a planner. You like to plan things, and you take the time to do that. But what I think you actually need to do is to plan more things. Because by having more things to get done, you then have less time to procrastinate because you've got more boxes to get checked. 
So it's, a, it's a kind of a reverse psychology piece to it, but that might be something to try to keep that motor running because it's like, oh, I got to get this done and I got to get this done and I got to get that done. And just as you tick them off the top, find things to, can, to continue to add to the bottom so that that funnel kind of stays full and it actually creates some quote unquote self-pressure. Um, for me, I think going into 2024, I'm going to take more off of uh, some of the boxes off of my list. Okay. Um, I think I'll, I'll take a few boxes off um, because what I'm finding is that I'll have things that I'm doing and a lot of them are collaborative pieces with other people and I'm finding myself relying on people to provide their parts. So it's dragging the timeline a little longer, uh, making the timeline appear a little longer to get things accomplished. So for me, I'm going to take some pressure off of myself in doing in doing that so that I can really enjoy the things that I love doing and things just go smoother that way for me. I think I'll do that for myself. So maybe I'm doing kind of what you did, Chris, this year a little bit. I'm going to I'm going to take that time out and really enjoy family, friends. And then um, so maybe it won't appear to be procrastination. Sometimes I'm just super, super busy. And then there's a piece of a project that's dependent upon somebody else coming through and I don't have the information to plug in. So I think I'll take some of the pressure off of myself this coming year too, that way. So let me ask a follow-up question on it, Erica. Are you basically looking to, and I'm going to use the term accomplish less because just less on your list mm -hmm. or, or are you going to delegate more so that it's, still need to get the same things done to a degree, but it's just not all on your shoulders. Which approach are you taking? I'm approaching that I'm going to have less, um, project, fewer projects, less things on my to-do list, and then I will delegate with those few things where needed in order to be able to enjoy the experiences more. Excellent. Excellent. Vince, what are your thoughts? Because obviously we were trying to get give Chris some direction here and give him some ideas. Uh, what would you share? You know, I think I've, I've battled with the concept around procrastination my pretty much my entire student life. And yeah, I always found out I was, I was always been a night owl. So being a night owl, um, and maybe it was because there's too much going on during the daytime or, or uh, how I interpret it as nighttime was nice because it was quiet and less external Mm -hmm. stuff so I could focus. And I, I think it's very similar to how people who wake up at four in the morning, you know, have that quiet time and, you know, you get a lot of stuff done. Um, for me, it was the opposite. But obviously that meant I was not an, an early bird that, that got the worm. So, you know, I would definitely say procrastination has always been a question until, until you not make it a, a big deal and coming back to your original question about setting priorities and journaling. And I think the interesting thing about procrastination is, well, you have to, there has to be a baseline, going back to my original kind of stir in the pot question. <clears throat> and the original baseline is basically saying, I'm not happy, or I'm not uh, being as productive, or I'm recognized that I should be doing something differently. And <clears throat> I believe that um, based off of all the other 
uh, advice. You know, the ability to one document what you have done, but also document what you will want to do in you know every day, as you said it, is really important because then you have a path forward. You know, you have things you want to do. Uh, that's why everyone advises journaling is so important. You know, maybe in the beginning of your day, you kind of lay it out or or the night before you're like, okay, what do I want to accomplish the next day? So your mind is in a mode of, uh, I need to get these things done. But then the real question I think is, you know, how do you define what is a priority versus not a priority? And that that's just up to us at the end of the day, because Sure, there's a lot of things I want to get accomplished. Is it a priority enough where I have to do it within the next X time frame, like 24 hours? Probably not. Um, do I hold myself and like you know beat myself a little bit when I don't do that? Yeah, probably so. And then I, I guess the question is, you know, then there's this whole other side of things, which is if you plan too much, and there's this running joke from the Dutch, where, where basically. Uh, children that are that are from the Netherlands, from the from a very young age, have planners, and so the running joke is when you see someone that you haven't seen on the street for a long time, and you're like, oh, let's hang out. You know, you can never ask them to do something like that day, or the next day. It's like you have to plan something a week or ten days or two weeks in advance because their 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 schedule is so filled. And, and, you know, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, if it's a good thing if you have all the stuff you need to do and you're not going to change the things you're going to do. But there's also another side of things, which, which is kind of like the serendipity of the world. And, and to me, that flow, that flexibility, that like lets things come, that keeps your, your mind and your heart open to the universe that's the piece where, you know, when we talk about procrastination, like I get, I get the why, but I'm also like, but where's the component of it to allow for, you know, that, that, um, those moments that you probably wouldn't have, uh, have experienced had you not allowed things to be a little bit more flexible. Yeah. I'm, I'm wondering now that I'm hearing that we're talking about these things aloud, uh, thinking about them aloud. Um, could it be that a part of our procrastination comes from maybe what's on our to-do list isn't in alignment with who we're supposed to be or what we're supposed to be doing or what our mission in life is or our purpose? Maybe we're avoiding it or not looking at it or not demanding that other people give us what we need to do something because maybe that's not even a part of our purpose. I don't know. Now that I'm thinking about it out loud with y'all, what do y'all think? I think that's a great point. And then what I want to bring and talk a little bit about is because procrastination for me is kind of, I'm almost just like Vince. I'm that night owl person who, you know, dives into things really deeply and then never wants to get up at 6 a.m. because <laughs> I was up till 2 a.m. doing all that other stuff. Um, but also for me, I, another piece of this for me is the perfectionist piece. And so it was, and this is an interesting piece of psychology, but again, this is what we're talking about is understanding self, right? So a lot of the times I will pro procrastinate on starting something because I know once I grasp it, I will not let it go. I will not put it down until I'm satisfied of 
whatever condition it gets to. So that's that perfectionist piece. And it's like, uh, I don't really want to start that because God, what I want to put my hands on it, whether it takes two hours or 10 hours, I'll be sitting here focused to it or whatever it might be. So I end up trying to shift these things around into windows of time that I feel I can actually dedicate to getting the thing done. And that often like puts me in a situation like Chris talked about where, oh, God, it's, the, it's the 11th hour and I got to get this thing done which then adds more stress because yes, I'll finish, but probably not to the level of satisfaction that I would want driven by that whole procrast uh, perfectionist piece. So yeah, it, it's an interesting dynamic. But the other thing I wanna throw on the table, and this goes back to what Vince was just talking about, about making the list. Um, one of the people that I've been kind of following their time management system uh, is a guy named uh, Ali Abdal. And he come up, came up with a concept about not making lists on your calendar, but actually creating blocks of time on your calendar. And you can have different types of blocks on different days, but only certain activities can be done within those blocks. So you can go ahead and say Tuesdays and Thursdays from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. is friends and family time. And so... That's what you fill that time with is friends and family. And then whatever other blocks of time on your calendar you want to put there. So then the task or activity actually then gets fit into the block versus the other way around. And that seems to be a really good approach because it actually gives you more control, gives you more flexibility. And it goes back to what Vince was saying about the, the Dutch children not having time on their calendar because they would have a block on their calendar every day for friends and family if, they, if that's what they chose to do with it. So just a thought on some of the things, maybe, Chris, you can start to think about how to block or group your time so that it's uh, easier to manage and also more productive. You know, I was sitting there thinking about this, and and this is one of the things for me is, you know, it's just re- uh, rearranging my disciplines, rearranging my priorities, because they, believe it or not, having, you know, taking this time off as, as, as in one, in one respect has benefited me immensely, but now it's, you know, it's created this, like I said, I'm this, you know, like I said, I'm trying to find that sense of urgency again. So for me, um, I think I just, it's just, it's one of those things. I just got to work through it in my head. Um, I, I know where I want to go. It's just fleshing out this I'm on vacation mentality. Cause that's what I think I've had over the year. I've pretty much done what I want. I mean, I've been, you know, I swim most, you know, part of the week. Now I'm back in the gym. Um, there's different things, but now it's time to really start to refine my, you know, how I use my time. That's the biggest thing. I haven't sat down and really dug into this thing. And I know that that's, that's where I'm, you know, through my conversation with my therapist, that that is what I have to do. I got to just sit down and really, you know, it's just really kind of put myself on the hot seat and, and probably do more. I mean, that's, that's a definite, I'm definitely, I buy that theory that I need to, I need to be doing more, but I need to put that list together. You know, I heard journaling, um, I was doing that. I stopped doing that. Now I need to start doing that again. So there's things that I know that I need to do that I've just kind of said, eh. and now it's like, okay, I got, I'm starting to have reasons to do these things again. I've got people that are starting to count on me. I'm very wonderful when, when I know that people are counting on me, it's getting back into that space. 
And that's what I'm shooting for right now. Brian and you and I had a conversation. I think I had a conversation with you about this, Vinny, over the last week or so. And those are the conversations I'm starting to have is that I need to feel like people are counting on me to deliver certain things. And once that kicks in again, it's not far. I mean, I'm not far off. So I'm not, believe it or not, when I'm in a dark room by myself, I'm not sitting there sweating like, you know, I can't do this. That's the problem. I know I can do this. And now it's time to, you know, really work on turning it on. And I, 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 he said, I had a conversation this week and I said, I'm going to give, I'm going to work on this through the holidays. And believe me, when we get at the end of the tunnel of 2023 uh, and I wake up in the morning of 2024, it's on. So we're, we're working on it. And like I said, I, the beautiful thing is I got great people around me. So I'm not, I, you know, I will ask. You know, I will ask that folks do things that will help me move it forward. And the beautiful thing is I got folks like you that want me to succeed. And that's yes. that's half the battle there, knowing that people want so, you to succeed and know you can succeed. So that's a perfect transition, Chris, because, you know, hearing you talk about this, I, I don't really think it's procrastination. I think it's the next topic of channeling your inner ostrich. <laughs> It's really stuff, you know, it's, That's it's exactly what I was going to say. Vince. You know, yeah, 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 it really is. And, and, you know, Brian's kind of put it out there where it's burying your head in the sand when opportunity knocks, ignorance is bliss. Yeah. And, and maybe it's one of those questions for you, which is, you know, it's there, you know, you want it. And I'm sure there's many facets of this, you know, one is, is, you know, let's call it PTSD or, or, or um, you know, failure to do this or whatever. But the other thing, too, it's like, you know, if you just sit with yourself and be OK with this and, and recoup, because the flip side of this is that if you were to jump back in there and get back in there, I mean, when, when you think about burnout, burnout is real. Mm-hmm. And until, unless you can really acknowledge, man, I got burned out and, you know, and, and you just need to just take some time and, and take a little, you know, break and, um, you know, like a, like a mini sabbatical or mini retirement. I don't know. Maybe that's a really interesting perspective of how we think about work, you know, where you work for W2, you work for this versus you work for things that you love to do. Because when you don't fit, do, when you don't, we don't consider work work and you love what you're doing. It's uh, like, I'll always be working. Because, you know, it's just something that I enjoy doing. It's, yeah, sure, the money's good to do things, but it's, I do it because I, I, I don't want to want, you know, that's the ability thing. So hmm. anyways, what are your thoughts about the inner ostrich? Yeah, um, thanks, Vince. And, you know, it's funny that you said the transition to move to that. And that's exactly what I was thinking as well when we we're talking about what Chris was saying. Uh, and part of that is, you know, he was saying, you know, having the right people around you and, and that type thing. But if you are the ostrich, uh, as far as a bad habit, meaning obviously your head stuck in the sand, then you're not going to see those people that are around you that are there to help support, guide, whatever else it might be, because, you know, your head is stuck in the sand. Uh, another piece of that, too, is and I'm going to use the term that I'm really pushing for uh, 2024, and that's self-actualization, right? because you can have all of the stuff written down and you can have all of the plans and and this and journal, you can do a a thousand different things, but that's just data, right? You've captured data 
The question now is what do you do with all that data? With it, do you actually take action and start to actualize some things in your life? So I think that's the most important piece that I take away from the, the ostrich thing is just to say, and not only get your head out of the sand, take in what's around you, what see the opportunities. But I see it. But then what do I do? How do I go about actualizing those things and, and capitalizing on them as, as I move forward in my life. So with that being my premise, does anybody else have any thoughts on, you know, getting your head out of the sand and, and maybe what some of the things you do to push yourself along? For me, it's actually looking at the numbers and asking questions. Sometimes I can get into that mindset of I'm just working, 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 and not stopping to ask questions. We were talking about the calendar earlier, earlier, I would suggest to people based upon mistakes that I've made this year um, to calendar when you're going to ask the questions so that you're not so busy working that you don't take time out and call people in to the mat to give you that information. Um, if there's anything that I can share with people about the ostrich, and I, I think sometimes I, I, I know I am the ostrich. It's not just to look around, put your hand up the sand and look around to the people that help you, but also you might want to take your hand out, take your head out of the sand and ask questions and make sure you, the ostrich, have that time on your calendar to ask questions because we all get so busy and we're all trying to produce, we're all trying to do what we need to do to, to move things ahead for ourselves and then also for the people around us, our family, friends, our partners, moving, trying to just working, working, working. And oftentimes, if you're like me, if you're my, my kind of ostrich, um, you're not stopping to ask for those figures. And then when you do, sometimes you find that all the working, working, working that you've been doing and trusting is not um, appreciated or valued. Amen. So you do need to, if you're my type, there are different types of ostriches, I guess. But if you're my type of ostrich, you need to you need to put that on your calendar. Don't procrastinate on that. Otherwise, you'll you'll be using years of your time, and you're not going to have the numbers you need or uh, other information that you might need to make a de make decisions for you. There's a there's a great book uh, kind of alluding to what Eric was talking about called Decisive, and it's by these two brothers Chip and Dan Heath. And it's fascinating because a lot of it, from what Eric was talking about, the data. Like I'm a total data wonk, total data geek. I let data drive uh, so much of everything because. You know, it's um, you. You could take so many different paths, and the question is, which path is the right one, or which path is the right one for you, in the right time. So, no matter what, <clears throat> as long as you live your life with no regrets, then I guess it's whatever path you take is the right one. And but in the book, it's talking about the allowance to yourself and then the team to have those check-in moments. But really the question, going back to what Eric was talking about is, what is the data that we're gonna use? What are the metrics we're gonna to use to define what we do and what we don't do in terms of prioritization of time? 
And that's the piece I think is the most interesting because when you all agree, right? So going back to the earlier comment that I had about, well, procrastination is twofold. Are you, is it your own internal saying that you should be doing this or is it an external factor? And that's where allowing, okay, your decisions and priority making and your journaling to be dictated based off of, well, what is, you know, what, what must be done in a certain time factor because of a deadline or whatnot. Well, then clearly that's how you prioritize that. And then you work backwards. But then there's all these other things that we have, we internally think that we should be doing more because we compare ourselves, compare ourselves to other friends of similar age. We compare ourselves to how much money they're making and what, what they should be doing. And it's that piece that I believe really messes things up where we put a lot more on ourselves. And in the end of it, we're just not as kind to ourselves. You know, it's, it's, it's funny, like in the startup entrepreneurship world, <clears throat> everyone thinks you should be the next, you know, um, Facebook or whatever. And, and I remember going through, you know, a lot of the different um, kind of rabbit holes around this. And, and someone actually told me, you know, Vince, there's actually this, this research that shows that they took the majority of innovations and whatever, how we define success based on our culture. And they said, they took all that information and they said the, the actual age for success is like mid to late 40s. I was like, really? You know, and so it's almost like this whole time I've been thinking I needed to like become a multimillionaire by, you know, 25 or 30 versus just saying, you know what, just enjoy life, enjoy the ride, right? It's all about the journey. So. It's a, um, one of the things that I've, I've learned uh, or has been revealed to me, I guess, is that sometimes when you're the ostrich, you're, you really are just working, working, working. And you're thinking that it's being seen, it's being noticed, it's being acknowledged. But that goes back to the data. If you don't have those meetings on your calendar, then people can take the data and skew it, even though you, uh, Mr. Ostrich, Ms. Ostrich, you know what you're doing, you know what you're producing, you know what you're attracting. But if you don't have those meetings and call it out on a regular basis, then people really, um, not everybody, but they're, they're, the other, there are other kind of ostriches, another kind of ostrich <laughs> or, or peacock would take it, uh, the data differently. So you do have to have uh, those, uh, that information, those meetings on your calendar. I guess we're talking about um, what unsuccessful people do or some unsuccessful things that people do or don't do. And one of those is not having those meetings on the calendar to talk about the data, to make sure everybody's on the on the same page about what the data means. Well, one, what, how, what are the metrics, right? And then how was that information actually gathered? And was the, uh, is the, are the metrics right? Is there a flaw in the system? Is it correct? What, what, you know, what is the process of gathering the metrics? And then also the information gathered, how was it gathered? How was that information gathered? And is the information gathered actually correct? So if you're me, my kind of ostrich, you're so busy working that you have failed to have those meetings and call that out. 
And if you don't, there's another kind of ostrich or, or the peacock who will say that you, pink ostrich, I'll say pink and green ostrich, <laughs> that, that your ostrichin isn't as valuable. Although you know that it's something different. <laughs> wow, this is so, it sounds like it's coming from a, uh, from a real life experience you've had. <laughs> I'm just, learning, you know. I'm learning. Just changing I'm like, the individual to be a <laughs> yeah. protect the innocent, right? So, Chris, what, what are your thoughts on on some of this? You guys just opened me up like a can. I'm telling you, <laughs> <laughs> this is confession time. Mm. I just and, and I think I knew this, and this has been something that's a thought that's been floating around. I actually, when I looked at, so in other words, we go through the whole prep process of, of our, our podcasts, right? So I sit down and I review this whole thing and I look at it and I told you at the beginning when we were in pre-production that I only thought one thing um, applied to me and that was the procrastin the art of procrastination. Well, I just, I just figured out that the, I have, I have been channeling my inner ostrich. The reason being, and I think, from my perspective, I've minimized the trauma that I went through in 2022. Now, let me preface that for those that don't know. Um, I, I, I've worked for myself. Brian, you know this. Benny, you know this. Erica, you now know this. I've worked for myself for probably the last 18 years. So I haven't had to show up to any, you know, I, the only, the boss is me. Um, I lost a very large contract back in 2022. It was like, printing money. I mean, it literally was. And I allowed myself to lose this contract over some other personal things that happened in my life. And I think I've been minimizing what that effect, what that trauma is from losing that contract, because uh, as quiet as it's kept, I'm kind of been looking for actual work, which just scares the bejeebers out of me. Uh, but I've been looking for it. Um, you know, the idea, you know, I've been working on my professional profile, the whole nine yards, and I haven't actually applied for any jobs yet because I just haven't got to that point, but I know it's coming soon while simultaneously working on some other outside projects that hopefully will prevent me from having to go work for somebody, but I don't think I'm going to win that battle in the, in the short term. It's going to be a long, it's, it's going to be a long-term battle, but um, the fact of the matter is, is, um, I'm just, I have a huge fear of rejection right now that I'm dealing with, you know, I just feeling like, am I good enough? And I think we covered this in some of the other past, uh, podcasts, you know, imposter syndrome, you know, stuff that's on that nature was I am in feet. I am, I have a strong fear right now that I'm going to be chewed, you know, I'm going to be chewed up and spit out, uh, and the reason behind that is because I've been off this horse, am I good enough? Well, at the end of the day, that answer is yes, I am good enough. I just haven't figured out that I'm good enough yet. And I'm trying to work my way back into that, just like I'm trying to work my way back into physical health. You know, I've been hitting the gym again and that whole right now, my body's just feels like somebody's just taking a bat to my body because I'm not conditioned the way I was before. And now I'm realizing that I'm a little older and it just doesn't work the way it used to work, which is I go to the gym for a month and I'm kind of just all of a sudden on the track. Now that month is stretched into three months 
and I still haven't got my rhythm. So I've just got to, you know, I just like yesterday I, I woke up and I was just so beat up and so just so physically tired, but I managed to just rally and go, you know, I managed to show up and I'm, what I'm finding out again is, that, you know, we're, we're, we're watering that grass again, that if I show up, good things happen. The, the thing for me is I have to show up. If I don't show up, there's no chance for anything good to happen. So I'm in this little, this power struggle right now with myself internally that a i'm good enough b i can get it done and c i can be very successful at whatever it is i choose to be at it's going to be uncomfortable for a while and i need to resign myself to the fact that it's going to be uncomfortable and just keep it moving and just keep it moving so this is a like i said this is a lot for me right now but I also believe that I have, you know, down deep where, where it matters most, I have the ability and I have the drive to make that happen. You're so good at helping us in the transitions, Mr. Black, you know, because when you think about it. 100%. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like, you know, a transition. So the next yeah. one is embrace the blame game. And, you know, when you question responsibility and who's responsible for this or the other, and I guess, you know, a part of what you just said is, you know, when when will you, because all it all comes back to you, when will you feel good enough to do this? Because from what you told me, you're getting stuff ready, you're doing a lot of stuff, you're 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 trying to build your confidence up, but you haven't applied yet. And you also made a statement saying that you have a fear of failure. Well, failure is going to come, you know, I mean, you can prep plan, whatever, you know, you can, you can send your resume out to whatever. I mean, I, I think if anything, just freaking chat GPT that because it's chat GPT is amazing. Like, <laughs> like in terms of success rate for, for getting callbacks. Yeah. No, you should always chat GPT because it aligns everything. It's the keywords. And, and you know, this, when you submit your resume and cover letter, it's a, it's it's a it's a computer that's looking for keyword hits, and if you can just hit that up and just follow and don't be creative and do all this other stuff, you know, just allow the the computer to do that. I would say, based on my experience, having either either before Chat GPT or after, I've got a like a 80, 90 percent like callback rate just by using AI. So, um, <clears throat> but, but you're right though, you know, it's, it's, uh, you just got to do one, just, just to be like, you know, I'm going to submit one and then I'm going to submit two and then I'm going to submit five and then I'm going to submit 10 because it's a numbers game. And, you know, I, I, I really believe that when you can, um, you can get out of your own head and you can, um, but you know, again, you've been giving yourself time. I guess the question back to you is, when is that when is that stop or will it ever stop it's a struggle right now but i know in my heart something has to give and it only takes one i mean it's like i said i'm i'm working on i mean i'm working towards it and i know i could say that and then two months from now i can say well i'm still working on it well i realize that that's not you know that's not that's not sustainable so i'm like i said i'm giving myself through this holiday period i've i've set a couple of internal deadlines and I'm come hell or high water, we're going to go ahead and we're going to make it happen. So it's coming. Like I said, it's been, 
I think part of it is just the recognition. First and foremost, you have to recognize what's in play. And I think I've been in denial. I'm going to be I mean, I'm, I'd like to consider myself an honest person. So there's been a part of me that's just been in denial. You know, I've been I've been able to hide in the shadows. I've been in my own comfort zones. And, you know, that's you know, that's gotten me, from, you know, that's gotten me day to day. But it has not served me in the long run. And I'm really a long run type of a person. Um, it's really coming back to those roots. And I'm getting there. I think half the battle is identifying it. And I have been able to identify it. So that's that, like I said, that's half the battle right there. So now it's actually putting it into action, you know, coming up with it. And it's not even about necessarily coming up with a complete action plan. Sometimes you build the action plan. So I'm building, rebuilding my action plan right now. But I know that I know that this is coming to an end. I mean, it feels like it's coming to an end. I'm fighting it a little bit, you know, but but I, I know that, like I said, I'm going to have to keep pushing and I'm going to I'm, I'm going to rely on some of the folks around me to subtly push too. you know what I mean? Yeah. You guys, I mean, I, okay. I think the reason I woke up with a migraine this morning because I really didn't want to broach this subject, <laughs> but I fought just like I am a fighter. I fought my way into like, you know what I'm, I'm, I'm showing up. You know, it's a perfect example. Everything in my body this morning said, Call in sick, coach. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear from America. I want to hear from America. So let me chime in here, Chris, because there's a couple of things. And obviously, we've, we've moved on to the third point where we're really talking about the blame game. And a lot of the times, blame, we always focus on that being someone else, external. But blame can also be directed back at you as well, right? Because you beat yourself up because of these different things that go on. So a couple of things for you, Chris, and, and, and here's one thing that, that I find most interesting, and, and I'll bring this back to the table, because uh, I'm gonna use your own words against you, and that is, what is your saying about progress is not measured in distance, it's measured in progress? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna just let that resonate, all right? So we'll, let, we'll drop that. The other piece is control. Because as you said, I know, you know, you've been you've you have been the controller in your life for the most part, especially from a career standpoint, for more than a decade. And now you're at this point of maybe having to go back and report to someone and look for other things. And you know, am I good enough? Can I survive in that world? Well, I think you are taking taking too much of your time and energy and focusing on the pieces of that new world that you actually don't control anyway all you can control is and vince we talked about this before the input pieces the what can i input into it what are my skill sets what do i bring what do i do and just do those things the output side of it and how it's received and how people react to it and at the end of the day um you actually don't have any control over that piece so if, if there was any advice and for you and for any of our listeners that are out there that I would have, it'd be definitely just measure your progress and progress. So as what's that hat say, just keep moving forward, right? Step by step. And then don't worry about the control pieces of it, because a lot of it you actually don't control. All you really do control is your activity and continuing to push yourself forward. And then it's like going to the gym. You got to push yourself to do it and then push yourself to do it. The result will be the result. You know, it might take 
a month to get in shape. It might take six months to get in shape, but it won't happen at all unless you go and then go and then go and then go. To, to cap this off, let me ask something to you because, you know, like I said, the gym piece has been is, 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 is actually been an integral part of my life for the last couple of decades. I'm now starting to see that it's starting to bear fruit. So in other words, I, you know, we've had that conversation. I was concerned about, you know, because with the, um, the health issues I went through, I gained a bunch of weight. And that's that affects my confidence. It, it really does. Having that additional weight, you know, it, it's just, you know, you, you look in the mirror and you what do you see? But what I've noticed over these last couple of weeks is so that tells me that I'm on track and that I'm starting to get on track is that my weight's starting to come down. Like instead of and, and, and I, I guess at the end of the day. We want instant re, as, as human beings. We tend to the default. I want instant results. I want it's like it's like instant oatmeal. You know what I mean? I want it. You know, I want it to happen now. And what I've had to, you know, the re, but reality is set in. It's not instant. It requires you to actually work at it and stay at it. And just keep going, and the results will come. And now I'm starting to see that. So it's it's I'm in the I'm in that I think I'm in that conversion phase. I'm starting, I'm starting to see some light. I'm starting to see, you know, those trees over there that are starting to bear the little berries are starting to grow. And I just got to keep going. I mean, at the end of the day, I just got to keep going, keep building, um, keep reaching, um, keep challenging, uh, all those things. You know, the advice I give is the advice I should take. Always. Yeah. Yeah. Always. Erica, do you have any thoughts on this whole Blaine game or has that been something that's been an impact to you and your whether it's your career or your personal life? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Wondering, you know, why I did or didn't do something in a certain way. Um, the impact that it has on other people around me, the impact it has on myself, had on myself, on me. Um, yeah, like everyone, that's I. I have things that I wish I would have done differently, or not done at all. You mm -hmm. know, and, and wonder about the impact that that had on my life and the course that it had on my life, um, financially, emotionally, um, just just in general, right? But I think like go, present day and going forward, as far as uh, how I live my life now, really, I don't want to be anywhere where I feel like it's not in alignment with who God wants me to be. So I don't have that same type of um, nervousness or insecurity. I have, I definitely have my moments, but I, I luckily I have friends, family I can call and they can remind me of who I am and what the purpose is. And then I'm like, okay, yeah, that's right. Um, because when you start going places and you're there because you want to be there, that I, I want to be there or I'm there out of fear, then I'm not walking in faith and I'm starting to make decisions that may not be in alignment with what God wants me to do. So when I'm in a certain situation or a certain place, and I'm, I'm uncertain about it, I do kind of, I do ask myself, well, what does God want to come from this? Like, what am I supposed to do here? Who am I supposed to meet here? 
How am I supposed to connect with this person or that person? I don't care if I'm in Home Depot and it's the cashier there and I'm observing her or, and, and I know or she may say something about a situation that she's going through. Stop, pause. Whether it's Home Depot or in the workplace, church or at home, I, I do. I ask myself, what is my purpose here? What am I supposed to be doing here? And that helps me to take away a lot of the questioning and the blame part, because if I don't feel like it's in alignment of what I'm supposed to do or who I am, I'm out now. It's peace out. I, I, I'm And now in my 50s, I don't have time for any jibber jabble, any people talking out the side of their neck or anything like that. I can't do that to myself anymore. I'm done with that. If it's not in alignment with who I am and what I'm supposed to be doing. And if, when I ask, you know, well, God, what's my purpose up in here? What are you going to do? And if I don't have clarity on that, then I I have to go to a corner, really think about, am I supposed to even be here? And if I'm not supposed to be here, then I, how am I going to get out of here? So that helps, that helps me limit the amount of blame and amount of things I carry. Vince, <laughs> what are your thoughts? Hmm. Well, you know, this one and, and clearly the next one kind of really go hand in hand in terms of how we hold space and you know um for me it's and i'm going to mix the two together the next one you know i'll just introduce it as befriend negativity because when you are blaming when you're taking and putting you know uh the results or whatever on someone else or on yourself and you're blaming yourself or blaming others <clears throat> You know, that negativity, I think, is just, uh, let's just simplify, it's toxic. And so for me, you know, I would say in the last couple of years, especially through my 40s, and I just had my, my 45th birthday. So it, it's, um, it's, it's about going back to what Erica said, your values and, and, and how you live your truest life. And that's something that includes, you know, personal alignment. That's something that includes um, work-life balance. That's something that includes, you know, how you want to show up for not only yourself, but your loved ones, your kids, your family. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a tough one because all too often I feel like and I've been around vamp like energy vampires. And that's that's the the, the befriend negativity piece in my book. And those energy vampires are, you know, there there's a number of factors there. Um, anytime now that I find myself in protest behavior or thinking negative thoughts, it's it's that statement where um, you hate in others what you hate in yourself. Because, and it, it takes a bit to really think about this, but when you when you get triggered and you're talking to someone and you just get angry, so your, your mood changes high or low. It could be whatever way. And, and you're like, okay. And you recognize, and this is the piece that's the hardest. You recognize, Chris said this, <clears throat> you could recognize you're getting triggered for whatever reason. And again, it's usually something that changes. There's a, there's a physiological, chemical thing where all of a sudden you go from like zero to like a hundred 
or zero to minus 100. So either like super angry and anxiety or super loving and, and whatever. And then you recognize, okay, what is it that that's triggering me? And when you can dig really down into this, and it takes a while to really recognize this because usually it's the inverse of whatever it is. It's like, okay, that's something that I, I don't appreciate about myself or I fear about myself or I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant or have anxiety. I'm insecure about it. And that's the piece where, you know, the blame game, the negativity, you know, who you surround yourself with. I think, I think the end of the day is you just gotta, you gotta find people that really build you up and uh, see you for who you are. And it's, it's, it sounds hard, but you know, it's like not judge you because if they don't judge you and you don't feel judged, then you can be your most authentic self. And that's to me is is like what life is about. You know, it's it's about living that flow state where your your logical reasoning brain, your subconscious brain, and the source are all aligned. So that going back to what Erica was saying, it's like, <clears throat> yeah, I find myself all the time having to pause and say, okay, what am I supposed to learn here? What what is the lesson here? And as long as you can look at the positive, like, okay, I'm going to meet some amazing, or there'll be some direction. If I keep my, my mind and my, my heart, my soul closed to just focus on this path and not look at all these other things, I will never be able to see where I'm, I, I could go, right? Where I should go. Yeah, I agree with you there. And really just saying um, twofold, right? It's negativity from the standpoint of how you feel or think about yourself and, and, and getting those thoughts out and, you know, cleansing yourself from that perspective, but also the people around you. And, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, your mental fitness and that type thing and how having the wrong circle of friends and those people who are negative, who don't have your back and strictly are there to tear you down how you want to remove those pieces from your life as best you can, right? And unfortunately, sometimes that is your closest friends or even family that are those people. Uh, but that's the reality of it. And come into terms with that. And then actually, as I talked about earlier, the action piece, the actualization pieces of what you need to do to get yourself out of that space, right? Uh, and then, Vince, as you just mentioned, getting yourself to a place where you're authentic, authentically okay with it, right? You know, you don't, the judgment and all those different things, it, it's not relevant to you, but that's a process that you have to work your way through. The identification piece first, the acceptance piece of it, and then the action to start to move yourself forward to a place of being at peace with it. And so it, it takes some time, it takes some effort, but I think it's critical um, that that's as we move into 2024, if you're feeling those types of toxic behaviors and tensions and different things from different people, different environments, I think that's your clue to uh, say, let it go, let it go. <laughs> Earlier, Chris was talking about, um, about the changes in weight and getting back in the gym. And I can relate so much to that in that um, controlling, uh, maintaining fitness or physical fitness, and even things such as making sure you keep up with your blood pressure and, and your blood sugar. The blood sugar, if you're not controlling that, that has all types of implications on your mental health. 
and your weight plays a role um, with all of that. So when we're not taking care of ourselves, we're not uh, with by working out, making sure we get the amount of exercise we need, right? And we're not um, eating healthy foods, um, clean foods, and we're not, um, you know, not, not just the meditation and prayer part, but we're not checking our blood sugar to make sure that it's at a healthy level. Having out of control blood sugar starts to affect us mentally, our emotions. And so we're start to making start making decisions. So when you surround yourself with people that that's not a high priority for them, and then you start feeling yourself becoming sluggish and you're all engaging in habits that throw your blood sugar out, sugar out of whack, well, that impacts your personality. And then it eventually starts impacting the way we feel about ourselves. So things such as making sure you get the physical exercise, even if it's not in the gym, you just go outside, go, you know, go inside, sit inside, work out. Um, but also maintaining a healthy blood pressure and then make sure you check your blood sugar on a regular basis, because a lot of issues that people are having uh, come from trauma, right? But a lot of them from uncontrolled blood sugar. So I just wanted to share that because I don't think that we take that into account enough to connect the blood sugar piece with our emotions and where we are mentally. Erica, thanks for saying that. I uh, It's funny, you're talking about all this stuff we've been, I've been having this conversation. I, Brian, I had this conversation with you a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I actually saw my doctor on Monday and I had all these thoughts going through my mind because I realized that the, my physical, my physical health was affecting my mental health. Mm -hmm. Um, my drive, how I move, how I feel about myself, the whole freaking nine. So I had, I had that conversation with my doctor and I said, Hey, I'm concerned. Um, and I really wanted to put her on notice first and foremost, uh, but also in the same process, I'm putting myself on notice, um, knowing that there has to be improvement on this front. It's what I want is not going to happen just because I, it's what I want. So that realizing that I'm going to have to put some, I'm going to have to put more time into this thing. And I've been doing that. I've been working on the diet. Um, thank god all my blood sugars were good we did all it's funny i went into doctor for a couple of things and she's like oh since you're here uh we got your blood work and stuff that you've done in your labs coming into 20. she said do you have time and i'm like absolutely i have time you know where, where do i need to be you know my health is at, i just said my health was at the forefront so why wouldn't i make it why wouldn't i keep it at the forefront um so at the end of the day um, I, you know, for me, like I said, I'm, I'm built, I'm rebuilding. So I understand how important this is to me and how much of a catalyst for my future, my, my present day success, as well as my future success, you know, as a human being and the things that I want to do. So yes, uh, I'm going to keep it moving. Um, it, like I said, this has been a really, after today, it's going to be, will have been a very eye opening week for me. And I'm hopefully going to take all this and I'm going to run with it moving forward. But like I said, this has been wonderful because it's you guys have really kind of opened up the door. Like I said, I wasn't thinking, you know, now I'm looking at we're talking about the blame game. Blaming self. Blaming self. Um, the negative talk. 
you know, it's, I, I know that's the next thing is befriending negativity is the next seg, the next transition, as many likes to say, <laughs> the next transition. So, you know, I definitely want to talk about that a little bit. Um, when, when I first saw this, uh, the, 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 you know, obviously I, I mentioned earlier, having the right people around you is key. It's so, so, so important to have. I have really worked hard on, used to be my default was I'm not good enough. I'm, I'm not, you know, even down to, a, I'm not good looking enough. Any, you know, any of the silly vain stuff that we participate in. I have worked, I'm proud to say that I've worked really, really hard over the last year to two on not talking negatively about myself. That used to be my default. I mean, instantly I'd be like, you're just not good enough. You're not handsome enough. Why, you know, I don't like the way I look. I mean, you know, I'm not a bad looking guy. You know, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to be on America's next top model, but I'm a decent looking guy. People find me fairly attractive and I need to remember. We're going to put you on the Golden Bachelor. We're going to go and submit you. <laughs> That's what we're going to hey, do. Golden I'm, I'm, hey, I'm down. I, I would give it a swing. I, you know what? Let me say that if I if I got contacted about something like that, I would probably give it a try. I probably would, even though it would probably scare the crap out of me. I would say, "What the hell?" You know, nothing, no, no guts, no glory. <laughs> okay. <laughs> just like I know, and I'll and I'll shut up. Just like I know that whatever opportunity is is in front of me, that that because I've been praying to God that an opportunity will knock on my, you know either the door will present itself or someone will knock on my door. And I know for a fact that it's going to just open me up so wide and I'm going to be so fearful in the beginning, but I know me at the end of the day, I'm a courageous person down deep and you just need to uncover it. So I, you know, I already know this is going to, I was talking to my therapist. I said, some, you know, some, somebody's going to present me with something that's going to be very, very beneficial for me. But the, and initially I am going to be, hair on fire, freaked out, ready to run for the hills, but I know that I'll do the exact opposite. I will run to the fire. Wait, wait, just real quick, just to wrap that last point up. You you said someone will uncover it. So is it an external someone or is it you as someone? You will have the confidence. You will uncover it. You will believe in yourself. I will. I'll uncover. Oh, okay. Oh, good. I'll, I'll, it's up to me to do the le the real legwork. Yeah. You know, I'm looking for somebody to hopefully. You know, I mean, some of it. I, you know, I'm on the hunt, but sometimes the, the sometimes you become the hunted. So, I know that some way, somehow, an opportunity will will be in, will be placed in front of me, whether it's through my digging and you know and, and probing, or someone sees me and says, "Hey," because that's you know sometimes it's just the it's just the meeting. You know, I mean, you just have to meet, you know, through, you know, that's why I always say, we, we say, I'll always take the conversation. But I know at the end of the day, as long as I stay in an, an optimistic frame of mind, that's how, that's how things happen. If I, if I, if I, you know, we're either, we're either optimistic or we're pessimistic. I'm generally by nature an optimistic person, but I've allowed this pessimism to seep into my program. Right. Yeah. And now I'm trying to kind of kill that beast because yeah. a general nature, I'm an optimistic person. You put me in a conversation and, and it gets it, it starts negative. I'm going to always shade back to the optimism side of the thing. Cause that's how I'm, that's how I'm wired typically. 
you know, why not? Exactly. Well, Chris, again, thank you for a great transition because this is a great spot to talk about the next thing. And that's about burning bridges, right? Uh, or technically not to burn your bridges is, is probably the best way to look at it. Because from uh, moving your life forward from a success standpoint, um, and then there's this old saying, obviously, about, you know, choose your enemies wisely, right? Uh, and I think that's a very important lesson to learn in life and one thing to always reflect back on. You're not always going to agree with people. Uh, so there could be tension that, that develops based on that. But don't torch the bridge and set, set the world on fire because you can't come to uh, an understanding. So it's, it's, I'll tell you a quick story. I uh, had to do a presentation this week and it was a real short presentation. And the focus of it was talking about being better at communicating and, and just understanding each other. And the premise of what I really want to say is if we could sit here, we could all hear the exact same story, whether it's someone tells it to us or we read it, we watch a video, whatever it might be. And, but we all going to take away something different from what we just heard or read in that particular scenario. Right? So now in a discussion after that, I say, well, what did you think? Well, what did you hear? Well, how did you feel about this? You know, what did you think the priority of that was or is? And everybody lays out what they, they took away. So we have our own unique filters, you know, whether it's your, your values, your morals, your biases, and, and everything else, experiences in life that we have that make us all the unique people that we are. Through those filters, we have our own quote unquote reality that we take away from it. And those realities might not line up. So what I was focused to and talking about with this communication piece is uh, basically working to get to a level of understanding with the other people or other person, not a level of agreement, because you possibly may never agree and not to approach it from the standpoint that that's what you're seeking even in the beginning. Seek to get to a level of understanding with the people around you so you understand their position. That doesn't mean you agree, but you understand where they're coming from, why they have that position, what's their motivation behind it. And I think that's what's most important when you talk about not burning bridges. You don't have to drop a bomb on the whole thing and destroy the relationship. It, it really depends on the situation because sometimes we're not the ones burning the bridge. Sometimes the other person, by their actions or non-actions, have bit by bit been throwing a match. They throw a match, throw some dry, throw, throw some straw. You turn around, they throw another match. They throw some straw. Uh, they, they throw another match. You go over here, you go get some coffee, they throw some more straw on it. And then one day they just have a whole tank of gasoline and they just throw it on. And, and it's not that you have to say anything harsh or there has to be, I don't believe in doing back and forth, that kind of talk. I just don't have that kind of energy to be doing that with people. Um, but sometimes other people by their action or non-actions have already burned up the bridge. And then sometimes you do have to set it on fire, not in an angry way, not in a bombing way, but because you know you should not turn around and go back that path. Sometimes you have to bust that bridge because what's on the other side, you love so much, but it's so unhealthy. You have to just say, phew, phew not out of anger, not being bitter, not saying you disagree, not definitely not letting anybody talk to you that way. 
but out of love for yourself and knowing you have to survive. And if you don't bomb that bridge, burn that bridge, light, whatever, light it up, throw a firecracker on it, let it explode, you know when you turn around, you'll have so much compassion about what's on the other side of that bridge and love that you really might be a fool enough to turn right back around. So it, it really depends on the situation. But in everything, just be genuine to yourself. I say keep it classy. Be dignified. That's the Be dignified. Have some dignity. And if the relationship has to end, whether it's a work relationship, whether it's a love relationship, have some class. Be, be classy. And then sometimes that bridge has to go simply because, you know, if you turn around and that bridge is still there, you know, you might just take it back, even though that's in your sanest, sanest state, that's not best for you. So I don't kind of. No, no, uh, uh, 100% agree with you, Erica. Thanks for, thank you for sharing that. And that's an important piece of it, too, because that ties back to the befriending the negativity and negative people. You know, if they're having that impact on your life, then, yeah, you might want to burn the bridge, dig a deeper moat, fill it up with alligators. I mean, everything that you need to do. <laughs> you be like, just going through the alligator? Oh, the alligator's not that big. <laughs> I can make it back there. <laughs> yeah. uh, but that's sometimes that, that is what it takes. And to, to be able to do those things. But I, I, I do believe that it's important, though, to just from a creating an enemy standpoint is just to be yeah. cognizant of that and, uh, you know, be ha, make the wisest decisions you possibly can in those scenarios. And, and I also believe that people know uh, um, somebody wants to tell me, let people do what they want to do so you could see what they'd rather do. People know. And it's not so much creating an enemy. But if you genuinely love someone and it's from a good place, they know, they know that. So when you treat them with respect, they understand. Yeah. They, they understand because they know what, what's, what's available. They know their energy level. They know your energy level. They understand. Mm -hmm. And I've just found when you treat people respectfully, then they come back at you respectfully. It's all about how you come at them. If you treat somebody disrespectfully, then they're going to have some disrespectful energy or they're just not going to have any energy at all. It's dismiss it. But if you treat people respectfully, then in general, most people, even the most traumatized of people can will, will act respectfully because they, uh, well, traumatized people, um, when you treat them classy, when you treat them with dignity and respect, they're not used to it. They, they, they think that's something unreal. So they don't know how to react to it. It's kind of like, it's kind of like a baby. When you tap them at the bottom of their foot, they kind of stun like, what is this? I hadn't seen this before. So if you treat somebody with class, treat them with respect, even if they're a traumatized person, you usually can make your exit. You can get, you can make your exit. Yeah, that's interesting because when you think about what we were talking about earlier, and you think about those individuals that like to burn bridges. And, and I, I, I have one that's close where, where it's like they would say the words, they're dead to me. And, um, you know, I, I, I like to think, well, actually, I, I really believe that generally speaking, we, you know, we're, we're pretty basic creatures. We want to love and be loved. 
And when, you know, there's this idea, as you're talking about, like flicking uh, matches, 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 you know, it, it, it takes, it has taken me a while to look and see that as, you know, it could also be a cry for help. It could be someone saying, you know, I love you so much that, you know, it's like there's a fear. There's a fear of, of, of them losing you. So for them, they're throwing matches over saying, hey, look at me, Erica, look at me. You know, I'm still here. And then that could be also where, you know, their greatest fear is the reason why they're doing all this and causing drama and pushing you away because to them and how they've grown up and to them how they uh how they've experienced life could be this this abandonment thing you know like my my attachment styles you know avoided abandonment and so for me when i when i think of the things that i do and the why i do and i think about you know, the protest behavior that you do internally in your mind, which tells you you're not good enough or you don't deserve this and all these things. And then you think about the things you would do to like try to hold on to someone. And, you know, in your mind, it makes sense until you look back later, you're like, okay, that was a little bit crazy. You know, it's like, <laughs> what were you thinking? But again, it's emotions, right? We are emotional creatures, you know, and, um, yeah, burning burning bridges is a fascinating one because on one hand, it's so <laughs> it sounds terrible, but it's it's on one hand it's 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 interesting to see who stays around as a test, but that is also a reflection of our own insecurities because we're trying to control and test others to see if they'll stay around, which isn't fair. That's an interesting psychology uh, when you look at it from that standpoint, Vince. That goes back to that point that if you throw enough matches at me, <laughs> I don't like getting burned. <laughs> I may not be sane every day, but I'm sane most days. <laughs> so if you can test, test me and throw a match at me enough, that's it. Uh-uh. I got hair. My hair goes set on fire. I can't be around any matches. <laughs> so, well, you know, like you said, everyone's different. Everyone's love style is different. Everybody's attachment style is so different. People, everybody wants to be loved, and people have a level of fear based upon, you know, their their experiences, bottom of childhood experiences. Okay, wait, wait. Before we move on, real quick, uh, can I guess your love languages? Uh, sure. Possible? Wait, okay, I'm gonna guess. Okay, so, so I'm gonna guess you are um access service and quality time. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah? Yep. Okay. That's, that's it. The Dr. Benny show. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's it. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to chime in right quick. I wasn't going to, but I'm going to. Uh, two things. I want to address the... Uh, oh, Brian. Brian's like, I'm the moderator. No, 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 no. This is great. That, that, that's, that's, no, uh, that's what we're here. What I wanted to jump into, and uh, first and foremost, uh, I, let me address the love languages right quick, because I think those are my actual love languages too, access service and quality time. Those are the two things that matter that matter a lot to me on the, that chain. But the other part of this thing we were talking about... Um, the burning of the bridges is we 
encounter folks that have the need to be right, have a need to get the last word in. And sometimes they do those two things at, at all costs. Yeah. Um, the old me would immediately want to burn them to the ground. Especially if I, especially if I detected any flaws in whatever their, their talking point was. The new me, while I want to maybe counter their argument, I don't want to do it in a manner that it's going to literally combust right there, right, right here, right now. So in other words, I'm trying to get to the next, the next conversation. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, sometimes it's about giving information and leaving it, dropping it off and potentially, hopefully having the ability to come back and maybe either revisit or, or further that conversation. Now that's to, in my mind today, that's extremely important depending on what community you're in, mm -hmm. you know, Erica, you're in Texas. That's a huge, mm -hmm. I mean, that's just like a, that's a, that's a, just an, a, an enormously large community. Hawaii is a lot smaller community. So I, I adapted a rule a long time ago here, which is for me is if I have disagreements with people, I typically don't fight with them in public. I typically keep my disagreements to myself because it's, you, you just don't know who you're talking to, you know? And, and the reality is, is you're going to deal with somebody's cousin, mother, brother, uncle, and you, you know, you just don't want to create these, these unseen uh, roadblocks and, 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 and uh, speed bumps by burning those bridges. So it's important to try to, you know, unless it's just something that just, it's just so absurd. You're like, you know what, I'm just going to kill this person and, and call it a day because I'm, I'm never going to revisit them again. But that doesn't happen very often because now I'm finding as we I'm gotten older now. There are people that in the past, I, 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 I for whatever reason, I developed a, a distaste for them or uh, I didn't like them very much. I'm finding that I'm able to coexist with these people because they do have some good qualities. It's a question of sometimes getting those qualities out of people. Mm -hmm. That's the, that's the work. So that's why we're friends now. Is that is that what I'm hearing you say? No. <laughs> I can't. Vinny, you know, when I first met Vinny, I didn't really like him that much. But you know, I'm like, why can't we be friends? So <laughs> I don't even know how to respond to that, Vinny. <laughs> well, let's no, you know what? You, uh, let me answer that right quick. Let me address that right quick. I think sometimes we we don't we don't see the value in people sometimes because they're maybe they're um, they're a couple of you know a couple of connections away. We, you know, for me, I tend to focus on smaller numbers. And what I've come to understand is you have to focus on greater numbers because that's how you're going to get your most amount of impact in your life. I'm always looking for growth. I'm always looking for partners in crime, people I can relate to. Um, I'm an only child. So, you know, think about that. That my universe has typically been a little bit smaller as someone who had brothers and sisters, siblings, whatever, whatever. I've always wanted that. And what I've come to discover is 
if I open myself up to more people and it take, you know, that's my, you know, that's my introvert. You know, I've always said that I'm the, I'm the most, I'm the most introverted extrovert you're ever going to meet. And this is me coming out of my shell. This is me approaching people before people approach me. And with your case, Vinny, I made a conscious decision after watching you for a while that you were really good people and you had something that you could offer me as far as perspective in life. And that's what I gravitated to. That help you out? I was just, I was just bust your chops. That's all. I know you were, but I <laughs> what you have to understand if you bust somebody's chops, you you will get a response. Okay. <laughs> so thanks for sharing that, Chris. So that said, uh, let's move on to the next thing, which oddly enough fits right into. Thank you, Chris, again for the transition because you were talking about people who um, have to be right. And, you know, their, their way is the right way and there is no other way. And the next thing here talks about embracing your, you know, it all attitude. Right. And being able to, as you move into 2024, to stop being that person that has to always be right. I know it all. What I say is the gospel is the truth. There, there is no other answer because there's always different perspectives that are out there that people can have. Uh, and I think we all maybe know some people like this and how that can have um, just a drain and a weight in a relationship, you know, whether it's, as, as you said, a love relationship or uh, friends, family, et cetera, coworkers, uh, that type thing. And, you know, learning how to not be that person from a habit standpoint, I think is a very key component to start to look at yourself and say, well, am I that person that, you know, just hammers away at somebody because it has to be my way or I am right. I know everything. You know, when we think about imposter syndrome specifically, and we think about the insecurities one holds to overcome that by believing or acting as if they know it all. And one of the things I've been doing more recently is um, I have this thing where I say, I know, I know, I know. And, um, you know, jumping back to what I'm working on, you know, even, even regardless of, you know, January 1st, but one of the things I'm working on is this transformation. And the easiest way to explain this was this death of an ego, ego death. It's the hero's journey to try to move through all this stuff and go through all that. But then what I, the universe kind of shared with me and showed me is like, it's the same outcome but it's the, it's the positive perspective. And, and part of that positive perspective is to hold more gratitude and be more present. And having that also means that the, the words that I use also are an indication of how I present myself. So they're having a conversation and someone says this and, and I respond back saying, I know, I know. You know, before it would always be like, oh, you know, it's confirmation. It's like I'm agreeing to them. But then... When I broke it down, it was coming at a little level of like power dynamic where it's like, oh, of course, I knew. Like, duh, you know, but then also, well, what if I didn't know? Would I still say the same thing? And so what I'm trying to do now and shifting my my mindset is I'm saying I agree or I concur or that makes sense or I never thought of it that way or, you know, those other ones, too. And um, 
Yeah, I've, I've had some pretty interesting mentors who kind of shared with me that whole know-it-all attitude as well. And uh, it, it's, it's interesting to be able to see it in someone else. When you could see it and pick it apart in someone else, you can hopefully reflect on it in your own person. And sometimes it takes someone to actually share, or, or many people that, you know, those, those trusted advisors can tell you that too. Um, but it's usually not a usually not a fun thing to, to like be around know-it-alls because it's just no fun. Yeah, they're very uncool. Because <laughs> they know it all. <laughs> what fun is that? I like people that are fun and kind of messed up. <laughs> I don't like perfect people. <laughs> I see myself as naturally curious. So I'm always approaching from the standpoint of, no, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Tell me more, you know, uh, kind of thing. And, but yeah, it, it can be a tough thing to manage when, you know, you have that know-it-all attitude. So from a bringing yourself forward, and if that's a habit that you have, um, a, a mindset position that you take, that's definitely something I think worth looking at to say, you know, how can I stop and mm-hmm. maybe pull myself back a little bit from being that person and being that personality? Because it, it can have negative impacts on relationships that you have uh, across the board. So, and I think a part of that too is uh, opening up your mind. As I said, I'm curious, but one simple approach is just to start to have more of a "what if" type mentality, right? Because your your heels are so dug into it's this way because I know and this is what I believe and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But what if? what they're saying or their perspective or what they're sharing actually has some value or could be true. So just being more open to the, the what ifs, uh, I think is, is a good way to start reforming that habit to a degree. Right. I, I think from um, the family law perspective, I find that, well, I've heard that it's very difficult to live with someone and they all, they feel like they're right about everything, whether it's a woman or a man. And not only is it difficult to live in a household like that, but it's just not fun. It's not fun. It's not hot. It's not cool. It's not. And they make, by their behavior, make the other person feel so small. And they act as if the other person's contributions just don't matter. And it's, even if it's a long, if it's a long-term marriage, it's just not, it's not probably the best marriage that it could have been if the other person would have felt respected and valued. Amen. 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 (laughs) Chris, you have any further thoughts on it? No, we're going to. I think the thing that, 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 you know, obviously, you know, it's for me, it's about perspective. Um, You know, and to a certain degree, it, it is about, I think you, if it's, formatted and the conversations are constructive the spirit of debate i enjoy the spirit of debate because typically the spirit of debate if we're not you know if our our viewpoints are a little bit different and i don't mean like grossly different but if they're a little bit different it invites learning it invites um new perspectives it invites new avenues of thought um and i think that's important because none of us are a finished product i know we've talked about that in the past um 
And I'm always, you know, I'm a knowledge seeker. So I'm always looking, it's scary, but I'm always looking for, for new knowledge and new perspective because I don't think that any of us are complete products. And I don't think any of us have all the answers. And I think if you approach things from that perspective, you may be your, your subject matter expert in certain things, and that's great. But there is always, there's always room for improvement. There's always room to gain knowledge. And I think if we take that perspective, I think we're going to only, we're only going to give, give ourselves the chance to um, leave it better than we found it, which is one of my big, one of my big buzz phrases that I use today that, you know, I'm, I'm what, that's my goal. One of my goals in life is to leave it better than I found it. Um, and that means it requires you to humble yourself in these conversations you're having. You know, I know this, it's difficult when you run up to a, uh, uh, someone who is a know-it-all, a quote unquote, know-it-all can be difficult, but for me, I'm always trying. So unless you're just so abrasive or as, as you say, unless you turn me off with your, uh, quote unquote charm, because um, you're trying to ram it down my throat, then I, I, I'm going to always try to keep that that serve and that serve and volley men, mentality, because I think that's healthy. And it's at the end of the day, whatever I'm doing and whatever you're doing, whatever people are doing, hopefully it's with the idea that I'm trying to do something healthy. Um, but we all know that everybody's, you know, none of us are perfect, and you're going to run into that people that that person that they're wired a certain way that. They don't have that, that, that there's an inability to be able to do, to be able to meet you where you are and to further the conversation. So you, sometimes we just have to make, you know, make peace with the idea that I've tried, I've tried my damnedest yeah. <laughs> and they're just not, they're just not willing to bite from that apple. 100%. And that's why that people who are, um, who are like that, oftentimes they're really just controlling because they don't have a lot of friends and they're always and nobody wants to be their friend really even their relatives right cousins or their siblings they're not they're not particularly close they're tolerated but not particularly close because they make people or they act or treat people like other people are stupid um and so when they get into relationships they're very uh controlling and and they try to control everything from I, I've, I've seen cases in which a person may give somebody um you know $25 that week I don't know what a woman can do with $25 a week <laughs> and they're married you know what I'm saying or $200 and they have to buy the groceries and and you know make sure she get their hair done and just anything just to be controlling so she won't have gas money to go anywhere. Just any other little piece, they got to go back and ask. But mainly because the other person doesn't have a lot of friends. And it's just, it's not just guys that do that. Women do that too. Mm-hmm. They, yeah. they they find ways to control because they don't have any other friends. Nobody wants to be around them. Or the friends that they have, the girlfriends they have are so toxic to where they feel like they got to. Yeah. And oh, yeah. and oh, oh, and then sometimes guys will be like, "Oh, their friends giving them the wrong hope. Her girlfriend's giving her the wrong advice." I had to point out to a guy the other day. I said, "You know what? Her girlfriends might be giving her correct advice based upon the information that she's telling them." Yes, of course. 
Oh, we don't know what she's yeah. saying to them. So based upon what they're hearing, they're, whatever their advice is, I don't know these people, whatever their advice is, might be very sound advice. Yeah. And he's like, you're right. Only you know your wife, you know? <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Or, or the other part is they have those friends that coddle them. Yeah, yeah. 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 You exactly. got those friends that because they're afraid. Because at the end of the day, we're it's it's about um, have confrontation, conflict. Mm -hmm. People don't want to do that. It's like it's the same thing, and I, I don't want to go off on a different subject. It's like I would say today that people don't want to parent their kids because they're afraid to have conflict with their kids. So they they let them you know they at an early age they let them go, yeah. And then you so you create this you create this uh, you create this monster, and then you don't know what to do because you've you've fed it over the years you know what I mean so you get that's where you get these out of control kids, mm -hmm. you know, who don't ever want for anything because they've never had they've never had to, to want for anything they've never had to work for anything. I guarantee is all of us have come from working class families. We understand what it means to work for something. Thank you everybody for sharing on that. Let's move to the last of the, the number seven here. And this talks about celebrating medi mediocrity. And I thought this was very interesting uh, because what it really talks about is, you know, if you aim low, you'll probably hit the target most of the time because <laughs> you're aiming low. But what are the motivations behind doing that to yourself, right? Uh, obviously there is safety, right? You feel safe because yeah, I can accomplish that because that, that's low, the low hanging fruit, right? Uh, there's a sense of certainty. That's I think yeah. part of it. And then one of the bigger drivers obviously is fear of quote unquote failure, if we want right. to use that term. Right. And then I know Chris can probably resonate on the flip side of that same coin and that's fear of success because that has just as, just as much weight. Uh, but you know, Vince, share a little bit about just your perspective on why we may aim low just to make it an easier target to hit than taking that true risk to try to really accomplish something big larger. So mediocrity is a fascinating term. And the one that I was introduced maybe a couple of years ago was entrenched mediocrity especially in large organizations. And again, it's, it's, it's prolific everywhere. And for me, you know, it, at first it was like, you know, looking at it from the outsider lens and, and kind of being a little bit, um, you know, negative or, or um, just, well, again, it's, it's just, you're, you're I, I was jumping to conclusions. And then and then spending time in those organizations and understanding the who, the why, the when, the where, the what, the processes, all these things. And then realizing, wow, there's a lot of work here. And again, you know, status quo or mediocrity is something where unless you've actually, as my one of my uh, old mentors would say, you know, walk in someone's shoes, walk in their moccasins, actually been there and done that. <laughs> have no right or or basis to judge someone else based on how they live their life you know we, we had this conversation recently about you know divorce unless you've actually been through a divorce you you really can't make a statement of stuff right or or kids like unless you've had kids 
Like, who are you to make a statement about telling me or anyone else about how they should raise their children? You know, it's like, I mean, again, we were all once kids. We were all once, you know, receiving it. So, of course, we have that perspective. But um, <clears throat> so I, I think the big thing for me around this topic in particular is, you know, you're getting a lot of advice. You're getting a lot of feedback. You're getting a lot of, you know, and maybe most of that advice is probably uncalled for, un unasked for. The hardest thing that we have to do is filter that and say, you know, oh, that makes sense. And, you know, it's it's like, again, or maybe maybe it doesn't make sense today, but it makes sense later on in the future. Maybe it's something where I'm not quite there yet. And um, but yeah, mediocrity, I, I've definitely changed my opinion of how I view and how I react to the term mediocrity, because mm -hmm. unless you actually embrace the why, and see the other side, there's always two sides of every perspective. So they don't view this as mediocrity. They don't view this as this. It's like for them, this is this is alignment. And and for me, it's not. So are we both right? Yeah. Are we both wrong? Yeah. 100% true on that when you talk about mediocrity and you know both being right, both being wrong. And again, that goes back to what we were saying earlier about your perspectives and your life's journey and how it's unique for all of us. And then we've also on a previous podcast talked about culture, right? And we've you know determined that culture can be even within your family, there is a culture. So what did you learn and take away from that environment as well, right? Uh, and then that's not to mention socioeconomics and, and many, many other things that can play into all of that. But moving yourself forward, the step one of one is realization, right? The, the, the realizing of, am I that person? Am I just accepting the being mediocre and that's okay? And then if so, why? You know, and then getting to the bottom of that question next. Then I think once you're there, then maybe you can start to transition to do something different. But I think that the root cause pieces of it are really where you need to start to figure out what's behind it. And maybe there's some triggers and maybe there's some history and cultural things out of there and so many other pieces. But I think you got to get your hands around all of that part of it first and then start to build those bridges forward. I think from a relationship standpoint, um, some people are comfortable with just a mediocre relationship. And um, maybe that wasn't what they aspired to in, in their younger years, but it's comfortable to them. And they're not afraid and they don't want to challenge themselves to do something different. And, and truthfully, for a lot of people, that mediocre relationship is better than the relate relationship of the adults in the household in which they were raised. Mm -hmm. So to them, it's a step up. You might look at it and be like, hmm, but to them, it's a step up. They, it's a, at least it, it's not everything that they dreamed of, but at least it's not what they grew up with. And as far as they know, at least their kids aren't living like they had to live. Is that good enough? I think it's survivable. And I think 50%, if not more people in relationships really are just trying to survive. They're trying to survive. It's very difficult for people to make it out there in those streets by themselves. It, it is. I think they're, that they're, they can find someone that they can live with and, and deal with or tolerate. And the other person can tolerate them, even if they're living in separate parts of the house. 
if they can if they can if they can survive it's better than what they grew up in and they're providing their children with better than what they had so they rationalize it because by the time everybody goes to work you try to get a little bit of sleep you eat you might have some social commitments you have to do by the time you do all that it's i mean your day is gone and as we get older you just don't have the energy some people feel like they just don't have the energy to be happy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to bring it to the to an end because we've shared so much and that's, that's a lot to digest. The last thing I'd like to say and go back to what Erica was just talking about, about um, surviving, right? And I, I think if there's anything that I think the final message of everything that we've talked about today about, you know, these quote unquote unsuccessful habits, how to flip them around a little bit so that you are moving yourself forward is to learn to move from surviving to thriving. And if that's a focus in your mind that you can start to wrap your head around, that'd probably be what I would say is the, the, the purpose of all of this so that you can start to move in that right direction and start to thrive and have a more full, well-rounded, whole, more balanced life uh, across the board. So flipping some of these habits, developing some new habits, moving in that direction, I think is the overarching objective of what we've been talking about. And again, panel, thank you all of you for sharing. This has been uh, an amazing episode. I appreciate it. And uh, until next time, uh, next time we actually do this, we'll be in the new year. So uh, happy holidays to everyone. Be safe, be joyous. And until next time, take care, take care of each other. We'll see you soon. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Happy holidays.